Hello. <clears throat> Welcome back to the Soul Solaire podcast. Episode 4, I think. Um, this podcast is titled Jesus Christ as the Greatest Genius That Ever Lived. Episode 4. The 8th of the 2nd, 2020. Mm. So, again, it's windy as hell here. I'm cold. My ears are cold. Uh, so, sorry about the... Sorry about the audio quality. Um, yeah, just to recap what I'm doing. It's been a few days since I recorded, so... Yeah, God, it's so windy. And cold. Um, so, yeah. Somewhat, oh, I, I, yeah, in the introduction I said there's, you know, autobiographical podcast. I haven't really been doing much of the autobiography. Uh, I've just been focusing on religion, really. Religion and spirituality. Um... Yeah, so I'm going to take care of religion and spirituality first. So I'm going to do this podcast about Jesus. Then I'm going to do a podcast about what's called the Theodicy. Which is, very briefly, if God is good, why does evil exist? Why does suffering exist? And then, the last religious podcast will be the God Experiment. And that's going to be an experiment... That if you're interested in, in God, if you're interested in developing faith in God, then you uh, can try this experiment. I'll outline the experiment. It's based on other experiments given in other Bible. All Bibles either explicitly give an experiment or implicitly imply an experiment that anyone interested in, in God has to undertake for themselves. Absolutely has to be done by yourself if you're interested. If you're maybe an agnostic and you would be interested in maybe coming to believe in God for whatever personal reasons you might be interested in that. Um, yeah, like for example, the Bhagavad Gita states the experiment very, very explicitly. Uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Instead of saying experiment, they use the word covenant. Which basically means pact. You make a pact with God. Uh, you align your behavior in certain ways outlined in the Bible. And if you do that, you'll be granted or you'll develop faith in God. So, that'll be the final uh, religious podcast for the for the time being and then yeah because I've changed the order of things because I, I remember I said in the remember I said in the introduction oh I'm excited about podcast f- three or four I can't remember what I said exactly because that's going to be about science particularly consciousness and quantum mechanics that's going to be so I'm going to sp- actually going to take care of religion first and then I'll start with science consciousness quantum mechanics and then uh, develop conscious, what I call conscious cosmologies. So that'd be like, it'd be kind of in two parts. That'll be the first two parts of the podcast. Then, 
you know, hopefully some people will engage with me. I might get questions, doubts. I'm sure I'll get plenty of abuse. And uh, in further podcasts, I can develop the ideas further. Because, you know, when it comes to science, I haven't fully developed a lot of the ideas. Not They're not, you know, totally complete or finished. But there's, you know, there's enough there. Uh, yes, I'll answer. Yeah, I haven't been doing much biography at all. Oh, yeah, I want to read some extracts. I've got some extracts planned from my novel that I think are relevant. Just one, actually, at the moment. What about now? Fill you in now, autobiographically. Um, well, my... Frankly, my life... Yeah, a bit of... Yeah, this... This must be my rock bottom. If this isn't my rock bottom, then I should jump in the canal now and not kick because it's getting pretty intolerable at this stage. Sleeping on my mother's living room floor. Don't have a job. My girlfriend is on the other side of the world. So no one to hug. Missing her. Don't know if our relationship is going to work out at all. <sighs> yeah. Another train. Yeah, I miss my girlfriend, obviously. Don't know if she can get into this country because of the country she's from. I don't want to go back to her country. Oh. I have no job. I have 120 euros to my name in the form of a check in my coat pocket. And that is it. And at my age, oh, yeah. I mean, my mom's retired now, you know? So I'm, you know, eating into her pension, basically. She'll be fine. Please, God. Hopefully, I'll make something happen soon. Anyway, yeah, it's not going too well, all told. Yeah, lonely as all hell. My God. Loneliness is uh, pretty immense. Yeah, hopefully me and my girlfriend can work things out. I would like that. Fell in love, love, you know, pretty pretty deeply. Love at first sight. Uh, I was just thinking love at first sight is very funny, really. It's kind of like, you know, you could translate love at first sight to... You're so hot, I don't care about anything else about you, really. You you could torture cats for fun, and doesn't matter. But, that's, she she doesn't, obviously. Uh, But then I started talking, you know, it was love at first sight, in a school I was working in. But then I started talking to her, and it turned out, actually, that I admired her a lot, and she was super funny, and she was mean. I liked slagged me off a lot and uh, then sometimes she's a bit too mean and then yeah I got a bit too upset so yeah whatever anyway who knows God knows we shall see yeah I miss her well we we texted today so that was good we hadn't, we hadn't communicated in a while so today we're talking nicely so I guess maybe I'm in better mood than usual the sun's shining 
It's just this goddamn wind in this goddamn hellhole of a country. Too cold. Too cold for civilized life. So, that's the plan. It feels just so weird just talking to myself. Thoughts of people. Thoughts of people. I can't even think about people listening to this. I get too. I cringe too much. It's awful. But, uh. Desperate times. So that's the plan. This podcast about Jesus. Then one about the theodicy. And then the final religious one would be the God experiment, which. If you're interested in God, you should definitely try out. See how, see, see if it works for you at all. See what you think. Um, yeah, it can make you happier, really. Or, or I, at least I hope so. It made me happier. But it, sure, it won't won't solve all your problems. But maybe a little bit of extra hope as you encounter your problems but this podcast is about JC my hero um, not my original hero my original hero is Socrates but uh, yeah and I came to I came to Jesus or JC um, quite late in my 30s I think early 30s um, because what happened really it wasn't until I considered God as a real possibility sorry I'm a bit self-conscious because I'm walking past all these barges like yeah houseboats they've got their windows open I've, Yeah, I get self. I don't. I don't like people hearing me talk, which begs the question: Why am I doing a podcast? But anyway, I've been through all that. So let me just get past this boat. Nice barge in. Funny. Okay, free and clear. So yeah. Yeah, around the same time, I can't remember what came first. But approximately the same time I considered, for the first time in my life, considered God as a real possibility. Like maybe there really is a God or something equivalent to God. And at the same, and that becoming an actual possibility changed my conception of Jesus or changed the way I approached Jesus. I think maybe. I think I changed my approach to Jesus first. I think maybe I got to God through Jesus. Which does make sense. And that was kind of his his mission, really. To bring people to God through him, a human. So yeah, but I can't remember exactly. Uh, but anyway. I started to conceive of God as a real possibility. Which, and at the same time, or approximately the same time my approach to Jesus changed in that yeah I guess at first I considered him kind of a mythical figure 
uh, a mythical kind of magic figure, I suppose. And that changed. It, it all changed really when I considered when I started to consider him as a philosopher. Like my hero is always Socrates. Oh yeah, and I, I noticed the incredible parallels between the life and mission of Socrates and the life of, of, of Jesus and what he ended up doing. I mean, the parallels are incredibly strong to the point where I'm convinced that part of the reason Jesus did what he did was because he knew of Socrates' story. I mean, it's, it's, the stories are just too similar. And people, you know, people knew about people like that via word of mouth, you know? And to me, uh, you know, people say Jesus traveled to the East, to, to India and places, and studied Buddhism. Maybe, sure. I'm sure you heard of Buddha as well. But to my mind, it's much more definite that he traveled to Greece. Or at the very least, learnt in depth about Socrates and what happened in Greece and what happened to Socrates. Because their stories are just too identical and there are also clues in the Bible that he uh, that he knew about Socrates anyway I think if I have time at the end of this podcast I'll, I'll compare the two stories and show the parallels and the little evidence that's in the Bible in the Gospels it's not much evidence but their stories are just too similar it seems to me totally implausible that Jesus wasn't inspired and influenced and even pressured into doing what he did because he knew and admired Socrates so but anyway yeah I started to consider Jesus as a philosopher and then I realized that he produced the greatest and most timeless philosophy ever produced so I'll begin with a quote and Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away and when we talk about Jesus, oh no, not Jesus, when we talk about genius, great, great genius like Shakespeare, Newton, and others, it's always, uh, a measure of genius is always, it's always proportional to how timeless the work is. How long, the, like Shakespeare, in one of his, I think it's in one of his sonnets, talks about how people will be reading his, his work for for centuries to come. I can't remember exactly what he says at all. But something like that, he knew how important his work was. And he knew it would, it would go on and on for, for centuries. And there are some works, Bibles, the Odyssey, that have a timeless quality. And thus the people that wrote them, we consider the greatest geniuses. Like, for example, you know, Kanye said, Kanye, I, I like Kanye, his new album's great. But he said he's Shakespeare, you know. And, you know, I'm sure he wasn't all that serious, but, like, it's very unlikely that he is actually Shakespeare. As in, Shakespeare died 400 years ago. And we're still not finished with his, with his work. And it's still impacting culture as much as it does, which is to say a lot. Not for everyone, but for a lot of people... A lot of artists, Shakespeare still, he's just shaped our culture, particularly the Western English-speaking culture, he shaped it more than just about anyone, really.
Well, anyone, of course, except Jesus. Because Shakespeare, I mean, Jesus is everywhere in Shakespeare. But yeah, it's unlikely that we'll be listening to Kanye in 400 years, as good as he is. So for him to say Shakespeare is a, is a bit of an overstatement. But anyway, he's good. Uh, no Shakespeare. Shakespeare wrote Hamlet, so... Yeah. That's, uh, you know, enough said. Um, so before we continue with the, with the timelessness of, of Jesus' philosophy, his teachings, I want to focus just on his teachings. But the first thing to notice is that he's unquestionably the most influential human that ever lived. He is our greatest and most revered celebrity. I mean, he is the absolute number one celebrity of this species. And the most influential, most revered, and most respected man to ever live. Assuming he lived. Some people doubt whether he actually existed or not. Um, maybe he didn't. If he didn't, then some artist created that character and then they then that whoever whoever created that character and put the teachings in that character's mouth well then they just take the place as the greatest genius that ever lived but i think i think it's hard to deny that that he did live and he did teach what he taught in the same way that i'm quite sure that the buddha lived and taught what the buddha taught and i'm quite sure that socrates lived and taught what he taught and no one doubts that Muhammad lived and taught what Muhammad taught in the Quran. I think Jesus is just another one of those people, and Shakespeare. Some people doubt whether Shakespeare existed and whether he actually wrote his plays. But it doesn't matter. Either Jesus existed and he was the greatest genius, or if he is a character, if he is a fictional character, then whoever created that fictional character and put those words in his mouth is the greatest genius that ever lived. Okay? But there's a lot of evidence that he did live. And it strikes me as extremely implausible that the three Gospels... I know there are four, but the three, they're called Synoptic Gospels. The first three Gospels are all largely the same. And they're called the Synoptic Gospels. And John as well. It's very unlikely that those four almost identical stories got told and written down if Jesus wasn't an actual person. So I think Jesus definitely was a person. He called himself the Son of Man, as in trying to emphasize that he was a human. I think he was a, he did exist and that he was a human. Um, and, and God or no God, whether there is a God or not, I think he taught us the complete solution for humans' interpersonal civilization. So he was a great human psychologist. But yeah, my first point is how influential he is. I mean, he is everywhere. He is all over the world, more than any other. You know, Buddha's all over the place as well, but compared to Jesus. You know, Buddha's in, uh, Jesus is in Buddhist countries. Jesus is everywhere. Jesus is, he, he's obviously in the New Testament. He's also in the Quran. Muhammad explicitly 
endorses and improves of Jesus' teachings and calls the teachings of Jesus proofs of God. He thought the teachings of Jesus were so impressive and correct that they proved the existence of God, or Muhammad would have said Allah, the same God. Um, the most Hindu, Hindus love Jesus. They, they, they think that, that Jesus was an enlightened person like the Buddha who had discovered God. Uh, they thought he was, they, the, you know, Hindus believe he was an avatar as well, like Krishna, like Buddha. They don't disagree with anything he says whatsoever. He's totally compatible with Hinduism, and Hinduism, Hindus accept and agree with what he said. Um, I mean, I should say, I suppose, technically, there is some debate, you know, Jews don't think he was actually the son of God, and neither do... Muslims, they think he was just a prophet, but they think he was a great teacher who had discovered God and was teaching uh, great things. He was called he's called rabbi by the Jewish people. Rabbi means teacher. Uh, so he, he's endorsed by all religions. Like no one disagrees with his teachings. Like my father, my father was an atheist. But he had no problem with my mother bringing us to mass because he thought the teachings were good. Um, I mean, and he, he's just... Oh, yeah. Like, I just want to dwell on his influence for a moment. Whether you believe in him or not, whether you believe in God or not, our culture is more Christian. It belongs to Jesus Christ more than it belongs to any other single human being. And, that, and it's global. I mean, he... He did conquer the world, ultimately, with his ideas. He, he's everywhere. His cr the cross and pictures of him and churches are everywhere. More pervasive than any other religion. Not that it doesn't mean Christianity is better than any other religion. I'm just talking about the influence this man has had. Also, it's the year 2020. There is one and only one reason why it's the year 2020. Why we've counted from 2020 years ago. And that's because that's when Jesus was born. That's a, that's a huge influence. It's approximately, when, we don't know the exact date, but that's approximately when he, when he was born. And the reason we count from then is solely because he came, taught what he taught, and had, you know, and shook things up in Jerusalem the way he did. And he really shook things up. Um, it's such a great story. Hopefully I'll be able to tell the story. Maybe I'll dedicate a whole podcast to the story and Socrates' story. Or maybe I'll get it done in this podcast. Anyways, is it, uh, I, yeah, still want to emphasize his influence. Artists. Shakespeare, for example. Christ is all over Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet, if, if you watch Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, there are crosses and Christ imagery everywhere. Because the story is so Christian. It's, it's a crucifixion story, really, Romeo and Juliet. The society around Romeo and Juliet, instead of, instead of there being one Christ in Romeo and Juliet, the Christ is two people together. Romeo and Juliet together make Christ. True love, destroyed, martyred by the iniquitous society that surrounded it. And it's only once 
the Christ, which in this case is Romeo and Juliet, only once they're crucified, and they crucify themselves, but under the pressure of this society, the warring society around them. It's only once they're crucified that their crucifixion brings peace. And that's why the Baz Luhrmann, it's such a great movie as well, beautiful movie. Why the Baz Luhrmann movie is so full of Christian iconography. And there are quotes from Jesus in the Romeo and Juliet, in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet as well. So a huge influence on, on Shakespeare. And a huge influence just on, on pretty much every artist. How many films have you seen? I'm, the Matrix. The Matrix is the gospel story written for a society obsessed with computers and guns and violence. But Neo is Jesus. There's just, there's no two ways about that. And it's full of uh, biblical imagery and references. Neo's Jesus, uh, well, whatever. She's called Trinity. That's obviously a Catholic reference. Um, and, God, there are just countless movies. Like, if you go and study study movies in, in college, more more movies than not uh, will contain Christ imagery and references to Christ story. Shawshank Redemption is this Christ story, really, told in a modern way. Um, what else? Kurt Cobain. Not a huge amount. He's just, I'm just a big fan. The heart-shaped box. Is it a heart-shaped box? Yeah. I mean, we just he's just everywhere. And people have crosses all over themselves, tattoos and necklaces and things like that. Um, and he's just, whether you believe in him or not, or whether you believe in God or not, he is just the most admired human character that we have. Like, even Family Guy don't give him a hard time. And Family Guy like to ridicule celebrities. Jesus is the ultimate celebrity. There's no one more famous than Jesus. I mean, he's been that famous for 2,020 years. Or for 2,000 years. That's a hell of a long time to be that famous. So, all of this is to say, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you believe in God or not, the influence on our culture and on our species is undeniable and immense. And, you know, the country I'm from, I'm not really, I'm, you know, I'm not Irish, but it's where, it's where I got this accent. Um, I mean, we don't stop saying, we say Jesus, every every third or fourth word is Jesus, Jesus Christ. I mean, I guess that's taking the Lord's name in vain, but, you know. But he's everywhere. You walk around his, you walk around Dublin, my God, he's everywhere. Church is everywhere. Same in Spain, Portugal most of Europe, just churches and Jesus, everywhere. That has a huge subconscious effect on people. And of course it has a subconscious influence as well, because we all do know his teachings. We're all taught Christianity. Whether we're taught, taught it, you know, by an official Christian institution, or what's much more common is we're, I'll tell you who's a great Christian preacher, Barney the Dinosaur. And that's one of the amazing things about Christianity is it resonates with the human mind very naturally. And you can teach it to children three, four, five years of age, and they very naturally uh, pick it up and want to follow it. They're not perfect, they're kids. 
So they, they, you know, they make mistakes, but they want to be Christian. You don't have to call it Christianity. You don't have to bring them to mass. You just teach them about forgiveness and helping each other out. And I love you. You love me. God damn this wind. Because take Barney for, and you know we. We constantly recreate Christ in different characters. Like Barney is actually Christ for toddlers. Because the last thing you want to do to a toddler is tell them the crucifixion story. Hey, this guy came along. He was great. He was the smartest guy that ever lived. He told us how to live and be happy. And how to treat each other nicely. So we nailed him to a cross. We nailed him to planks of wood. We whipped him, spat on him, tortured him, ridiculed him and nailed You don't want to tell toddlers about that you'll fuck them up psychologically. So what you do is you you, you you change Christ into a big dinosaur, big purple dinosaur, so he's big and strong and can protect them all. And uh, yeah, Barney's teachings are the teachings of Christ. You know, they have some, two friends have an argument, they're not speaking to each other and Barney says, come on, you got to forgive, like Jesus said, for, you got to forgive your brother not seven times, 70 times, seven times. And you know, Barney's teaching them all the same stuff. Love and forgiveness and understanding. And I love you, you love me. And you know, that, that's, you know, one of the reasons why Christianity has taken so long is because it's, I suppose, it's, sometimes we're, we're so cynical. It sounds a bit corny, but that's a reflection on us and not a reflection on Jesus. Um, and not to say that Jesus' teachings were totally original to him. I think he was a philosopher. So I think he studied Socrates for sure. I'm sure he heard about Buddha and was greatly inspired by Buddha as well. But Jesus put the moral teachings that humanity needs, the complete moral solution for interpersonal relationships, he put them in the most succinct and most understandable way. And, and he, he, he gave the complete moral solution for humans. Whereby you can, where you can also be an individual. Like Jesus doesn't require, Jesus and Christianity doesn't require you to give up or eradicate your individuality, which Buddhism actually does. But there, you know, I'm sure he was, or it's very likely that he was heavily influenced by Buddha. I'm not, you know, but I just think he developed it into something greater, whereby we can be moral and we can follow the principle of ahimsa which is a Sanskrit word, it means non-violence. And Buddha was very, was a great proponent of ahimsa or non-violence. But Buddha, Buddhism also requires you to more or less eradicate your, your individuality and your ego, which Christianity doesn't require at all. It just requires a great effort at love and forgiveness and tolerance. Um, God. So, huge influence. Our culture is totally permeated with this man, more than any other person. Whether he existed or not, whether God exists or not. And we just admire him. Ask yourself this question. If you overheard people talking about you, and they weren't taking the piss, they weren't being sarcastic, and you overheard them saying, you know, whatever your name is, let's call you, let's call you Jenny, whatever. You overheard them speaking and they were just like, you know what? Jenny really reminds me of, like there's something, she reminds me of 
of Jesus. And they didn't mean it in some corny, sarcastic way. They just, they meant in, the, in that you were just good and fair and, and honest and brave and strong. Like, there's no denying Jesus was brave and strong. I mean, he turned up to be crucified. Like, he, he, you know, he wasn't captured till the night before. And the night before, he was hanging out in the garden praying. He prayed three times. He could have prayed twice and then said, fuck this. Let's go, boys. He had his three disciples with him. They couldn't stay awake. So he prayed, he prayed for a long time because they kept falling asleep. He prayed long enough each time he prayed for them to fall asleep. And he'd come back and he's like, jeez, you bums, can't even stay awake. I'm going to be nailed to a goddamn cross tomorrow and you can't stay awake. He was kind of upset. And he was scared. He, and this is evidence in the Bible that he was just a human. A very, very special human. Because it says how he got all sorrowful and heavy and went away to pray. And he kept saying to God, please God, take this cup away from me. Which is some evidence of him being influenced by Socrates because when society killed Socrates, what did they do? He had to swallow a cup of hemlock. So Jesus knew what was happening. Largely because it had happened already to Socrates. But it happened to Socrates when he was an old man. He, and he just had to, had to swallow a cup of poison. Jesus' cup, and he says it to his disciples, you're not ready to drink my cup. My cup is being nailed to a fucking cross. Because, frankly, the Jewish society he was a member of at the time was much less civilized than the Greek society. That, much less violent, anyway. Let's not say civilized, but let's say much less violent. As in Socrates, when, they, when Greeks killed someone, when the Greek uh, law killed someone, they just had to swallow a cup, cup of hemlock, which is a poison that Socrates swallowed. Jesus' cup was being nailed to a cross. Um, and Jesus was only 33, Socrates was 75. And Socrates, Socrates was very brave. Um, because unlike all the other prisoners that the Greeks had at the time that they were going to, uh, what's the word? Execute, there you go. They left Socrates' cell open. They left Socrates' cell totally unlocked. Because in reality, they knew. Because it was obvious, he hadn't done anything wrong. He'd been down in the forum, chatting to people and just being more intelligent than them. Which is all it boiled down to. He was just more intelligent than them. So he made them feel foolish. They accused him of corrupting the youth. He wasn't. It's huge emphasis on being good. If anything, he was moralizing the youth. And, he was, and he's been moralizing our culture ever since. Another huge influence like Jesus. We've got to acknowledge these huge influences. Yeah, and Socrates refused to leave. Even though they wanted him to leave. They just wanted him to leave um, Athens. Go somewhere else. He would have been taken, he would have, you know, his, 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 he had disciples as well. About the same number. And they were all like, they all came to his cell. Come on, leave. It's better that you, that, you, that you leave and you can live to fight another day. And he said no. It's very important to him to respect the laws of the society that you, that you lived in. And he'd been put on trial and he'd been condemned. So, And he also was setting an example to his disciples and to humanity in general by having no fear of death. And he rebuked 
his disciples saying, why would I be scared? Why would I have any fear? I know I'm an eternal being. Um, similarly, if Jesus, the, the night he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he could have just got the hell out of there. He could have just gone back to Nazareth. Let everything die down. Because <coughs> Pon Pontius Pilate very obviously didn't want to kill him. Pontius Pilate cleaned his hands of him, literally. Said, this guy's done nothing wrong. But if you're going to insist on crucifying him, that's, that's up to you. Which ultimately the men, and it wasn't, Jesus was killed by men. And only men. And the, his true disciples were women. The only women, the only people that were there to the, to the very end were women. Because every woman, and if I'm speaking to a woman, every woman, whether God exists or not, whether Jesus existed or not, every woman on this planet wants Christianity. Why? Well, because they're less violent, less aggressive, less jealous, less vengeful, and more importantly, because they're more involved in the creation and rearing of children, and ultimately, they prefer to forgive and forget all this hatred and violence that's in our past because they'd like a safe and happy world for their children so um, yeah Jesus' biggest and most natural disciples are, are, are women and children all children would, all children would much rather that even if there is no God that we all just really start trying to act and treat each other the way Jesus uh, taught us to and he, he you know I'm not saying pe people were people were being Christian before Jesus but he he gave a he gave a, um, a very well thought out and developed teaching of it and a program for, for being more and more Christian and, and developing your Christianity. And, and that's, that's extremely important to have, to be able to teach it from generation to generation. And to be able to have a teaching to follow yourself and to develop and become more and more Christian because clearly we're all failing at it at the moment. Because it's very obvious that we aren't all treating each other in the way Jesus suggests that we do treat each other. As in we all still are lying, cheating and stealing. All of us. Maybe there's some few very, very good people out there who, who are living totally in line with Christianity but most of us aren't if we were well then the world would be much more like heaven than it currently is we don't look after the sick we don't look after the poor we scramble after money and things and sex and yeah it's pretty we, we're all very well aware how deplorable a condition the human species is currently in we don't treat the planet in a Christian way with love and respect and restraint so we're destroying the planet as well we should we, we should treat the planet and animals in a christian way as well we shouldn't talk if we're going to eat meat fine we've been eating meat for millions of years so we're not going to give up meat overnight but certainly we shouldn't torture we shouldn't make the animals that, that we shouldn't on top of forcing animals to give their lives so we can eat them we shouldn't make them live lives of total unending uh, torture before they do die for, for us for us to eat them 
which we do, you know. The chickens we eat are tortured for their entire lives before we eat them. And here's a good example of like of how a moral solution, a Christian and moral solution always solves more than one problem. Like we're not, I'm kind of, this is a huge detour. I'm not really meant to be, I'll just say it quickly. Just as one example. Like we're not gonna decide this whole vegetarian, vegan, carnivore thing anytime soon. And we have, in fairness to carnivores, we've been eating meat for millions of years. It's not something that you just give up that the species gives up overnight. But then the question at the moment comes down to vegetarian or carnivore, vegetarian or carnivore, which is really missing the real issue, which is if we are gonna kill animals and eat them, we shouldn't force them to live lives of torture, torturous lives beforehand. And the chickens that we eat are tortured their entire lives. I mean, not, not, not actively tortured, but just the way they have to live in the dark, they, they're in cramped conditions. And the same for cows and sheep. We just, we just treat them despicably before we eat them. Now, what if we treat them in a Christian way? I'm still gonna kill them, I'm still gonna eat them. But at least I treat them in a more Christian way. And Jesus ate meat. But treat them in a more Christian way such that we gave them happy lives before we killed them. Where they had enough space, nice food, social lives. You know, just, you know, some farms are nice places for cows to be, for example. And some, pla- some farms are torturous for cows. What if we did that? Well, it'd be much more expensive to raise these animals then. Like the reason we torture them before we eat them is because this isn't, isn't, well it is sadistic, but it's not, that's not the re- we don't do it out of pure sadism. We do it to save money, which may be worse. We do it so that they're cheaper. So you can buy a chicken for whatever, a couple of euros. But if we treated them well, made them, gave, gave them happy lives before we ate them, it would cost a lot more to produce them. Then their price would go up, and of course, if, their price, if the price of meat went up, people would eat less meat, naturally. And that's what all doctors recommend. Doctors recommend to eat some meat, but they all, in, uh, they all unanimously agree that we're eating far too much meat. And there are a lot, of, a lot of examples like that, where the Christian, the Christian way of thinking about a certain problem it always elegantly solves more than one problem. The moral solution is always the best solution, in other words. And Jesus gave us the best solution for our interpersonal relationships. Okay. I'm really rambling on this one. I'm not following my notes. So what else? So, in my notes, I have God or no God, Jesus or no Jesus, his teachings, oh, I should say, yeah, his teachings are the correct solution for humanity, or for any species in this universe. Or any alien race that wants true civilization. If true civ- civilization is uh, developed, people will naturally act in a Christian way to one another. Like if the problems of poverty and and education and, and um, inequality, if all those problems are solved, 
People will naturally treat each other in a Christian way. Or you can treat each other in a Christian way and it will solve all those problems. Like problems of homelessness and poverty and healthcare in America, for example. If, if, if our institutions actively try to be more Christian and not just pursue the most profit, all those po- problems would evaporate very quickly. Not to say it would be very simple, but it's the correct way to align our institutions to solve these problems. We won't have a moral society. We won't have a moral world. We won't be a moral species unless we make a moral effort. And Jesus' teachings are the correct moral effort to make. Oh, and I should say now, when I'm talking about Jesus and the Bible, the, the, the New Testament, all that's important for me are the words that came out of his mouth. It's totally irrelevant for all of us, especially in the state that the world is in. It is absolutely irrelevant and meaningless whether he walked on water. That is just irrelevant. We can debate that and and mark my words and think about it yourself. Wouldn't Jesus agree with this? Like if two people are getting in an argument about whether we walked on water, you'd say, it doesn't matter a damn whether I walked on water. First of all, you've got to sort out how you're treating each other. And at the moment, you're treating each other deplorably. Globally speaking, we're just, we're just not being good to each other. And that's why we're all so miserable. That's why so much of the world is crying out and, and suffering. And why our lives feel so meaningless. Which is the impression I get as, as I'm on the internet, you know? seems to be very large numbers of people complaining about the meaninglessness of their life and how much they're suffering and all these these drug epidemics and people addicted to all manner of things. It's because we're living without any moral mm, effort or restraint. Uh, Yeah, so Jesus said, you know, heaven heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. And it's true, if all all these problems are solved, problems of production, if we all, and poverty, if all those problems were solved, we would naturally, there'd be no anxiety about, oh, I have to get mine, I have to get mine. So we'd naturally share and be much better to one another. There'd be so much less anxiety. And Christianity will actually be discovered throughout the universe. Any alien race that reaches the same level of intelligence that we've reached. If they have anything remotely similar to love, for themselves discover they'll have their own Christ. They'll have their own teachers like Buddha and Jesus who came up with these things for themselves through the process of evolution and the evolution of intelligence. Like there's, 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 there's no doubt that the Christian, the Christian way of being is more intelligent. Um, so in that sense, his teachings, in my opinion, are eternal. And one, like, imagine, imagine we do achieve genuine Christianity throughout the globe. I mean, we'll never turn our back on it. Like, life will be so much better then for everyone. 
so much happier so much freer of anxiety and worry and violence and suffering they would never decide to go back to to war and greed and, and these types of things um, and in that sense Jesus is right that his words will never pass away his teachings are forever his teachings kind of equal true civilization at the moment we're not true civilized this isn't true civilization this is planet of the apes pretty obviously we're destroying the planet which means destroying the whole species we, we just can't share um, you know we're all very well aware of how fucked up things are now and the thing is the true solution isn't political people are waiting, waiting for the right politician or the, the right um, political system oh is it capitalism is it communism or is it a mixture of capitalism and socialism that's the wrong you're looking in the wrong direction the solution is moral the problems are moral the problems are ethical the problems communism is just fine if the, if the whole world was populated populated with Jesus's and Buddha's that is to say morally civilized people properly who don't lie cheat and steal one another who aren't greedy who don't hoard many millions of times more than they need not to pick on rich people like uh, you know because poor people want to be want to be rich you can't criticize a, a rich person if you take their billions in a heartbeat and you take their private jet in a heartbeat but yeah the rich people rich people are kind of like it's easy to point at them as kind of like greedy and all that type of thing what was my point this isn't going well I'm tired today didn't follow my notes at all feels like this was all kind of a bit structureless so apologies maybe I'll try and be a bit clearer in some later podcast what the hell was I talking about there? oh yeah communism is a world full of Buddhas and, and Jesuses communism is just a plan for sharing communism is just fine the problem isn't with communism the problem is with humans problems with anger hatred intolerance and greed the solution to anger hatred intolerance and greed is Christianity or Buddhism or Islam because Islam contains Christianity Muhammad very explicitly talks about Jesus Christ and his proofs of God so actually if you're a, if you're a Muslim you're actually obliged it, it, you don't you don't believe Jesus is the son of God fine Jesus doesn't care Jesus does not care one iota if you think he's the son of God or otherwise he just wants you to behave towards other people the way he taught us to behave towards other people and why because it'll make you happy and that's part of the God experiment one thing I can guarantee you is if you make a genuine effort to be to align yourself more with the teachings of Christianity that is to stop or to try and lie to yourself less don't worry about lying to other people worry about lying how much you're lying to yourself about your motives what you get up to you know really monitor yourself monitor your motives that's very important but that's part of the God experiment but the more you align yourself with 
teachings of Jesus Christ, the happier you will be. The more confident you will be, the easier you'll sleep at night, the more relaxed you'll be, and actually, you'll also be physically healthier. Which is pretty remarkable. It has a great placebo effect. Um, yeah. So we're looking for political solutions. Oh, we get this politician in, or this political party, or this political system. No, the, solu the true solution is ethical. And it's to do with moral, ethical education and ethical e effort and emphasis. And clearly what we need at the moment, globally, is a spiritual renaissance. We need to save the earth from ourselves. And we need to look after the sick and the poor and start sharing. And that's all communism is. I, yeah. It's annoying the way Karl Marx kind of gets maligned. As if he was somehow evil. All Karl Marx, all, all Das Kapital is, is a program for transitioning from a capitalist society to a communist society. And all that means is you go from a society where the means of production are owned by a small group of people to a society where the means of production are owned by everyone. It was people that fucked up communism, not communism. What Karl Marx should have said was, oh, don't attempt this in unstable times. The thing is, it was attempted in very, very... It was attempted in, you know, the 20th century, which is about the most unstable time in human history. But anyway, an interesting thing about Christianity is, well, communism is just sharing. I'm not... I am by no means saying we should s switch to communism. Not at all. I'm not a communist. I'm just saying that communism is just sharing on a uh, nationwide economic level. Um, but, you know, it might not be... We, 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 we're not there yet, maybe. It might not be right at this time in human evolution. But it is funny, if you read Acts, which is what happened after Jesus was killed, they immediately switch to communism. Like, communism becomes totally obvious to them via the teachings of Jesus Christ, because it's just sharing. Communism is just sharing. But then, it's really spooky, actually. Then one couple refuses to share their stuff, <laughs> and they get killed by the communists, by the Christians, so-called Christian communists. And of course, it gets blamed on God. It's really spooky. Just how quickly, once Jesus left, things got fucked up. Although things were pretty fucked up when he was there as well. Okay, so, yeah. I'm really rambling today. Anyway. When I talk about Jesus, I imagine him as, a, as just a human. I, I think it's, he, may, maybe he maybe he did do those magic tricks. Maybe he had a magic fish Gatling gun up his sleeve. It's possible. Like, it's difficult for me to believe because I studied science so much. And science basically says, no, you can't take five fish and feed 5,000 people with them with 12 baskets left over. That's just, that's physically impossible. So it's very difficult for me to believe. But I studied, I've studied so much science, but what I've, there is one thing I've learned from science, which is this universe is stranger it's always stranger than I think it is. So maybe, maybe he did perform those miracles. Maybe if you're that good a person, the universe does grant you powers that are beyond a normal person. 
and we wouldn't know. The only way to know that is for a Jesus to come along, someone that good, and see if the universe, you know, allows them to bend the rules. There's no one that good on the planet at the moment, so we just don't know. But yeah, it's very difficult for me to believe because physics, from the point of view of a physicist, it's impossible to multiply fish out of thin air. It's also impossible to walk on water. But may, as I said, maybe. I don't know. The fact is, it's totally, totally, totally irrelevant. It's meaningless. It doesn't matter a damn. And Jesus would agree. He'd say, that isn't the point. That's not why you should believe in me. You should believe in me because of what I said, what I taught. And that's all in the Gospels. Just the words that came out of his mouth. Everything that's in quotes from his mouth. That's what humans and Christians need to focus on. It doesn't matter a damn whether he walked on water. And worse than that, and I'll tell you what really doesn't matter. Whether his mother, his mother's sexual past. And if you brought that up in front of Jesus, I think he'd, I think he'd hit you, quite frankly. I think he'd tell you to shut your mouth. You know, no man wants anyone speaking about their mother like that. And that's very, very, very... Always forget it to put up. Do not disturb. That whole his mother being a virgin clearly to do with the male obsession with female virginity and purity. Like it doesn't mention anything about his dad's sex life. Like was his dad a virgin before him? Why doesn't that matter? The only reason it matters is because men are have been obsessed and still an issue throughout the world with female purity and virginity that's just that's perfectly obvious and it's just it's just it's just not something that should be spoken it's just kind of disrespectful fuck this wind it's kind of a disrespect you know and that's that's because culture and was different back then and there was an even greater emphasis you know people were very obsessed with virginity back then that's the only reason that that's mentioned at all. And similar stories are told about Buddha and his birth. Apparently he walked out of his mother. Buddha, the Buddha apparently walked out of his mother. That's one of the stories. Strolled out of his mother. Very easy birth. And again, it doesn't matter how the Buddha was born. What matters is his moral teachings. And that's what we need to focus on. And people use this stuff about the miracles. You know, it's just... It's, Again, it's, it's obfuscation. It doesn't matter. What matters is his moral teachings. And he would agree. When he did perform miracles in the Bible, he told people not to speak about them. He tried to do them in secret. He told people, don't tell anyone. He laid no emphasis on them. He never mentioned anything about them. He never said, believe me, look at me, I'm moonwalking on, on the lake. And that, that would be one way to get everyone to believe in you moonwalk down the River Jordan I'd be like shit that's that must be the son of God that wasn't his emphasis that wasn't his point his point was this is how to treat each other this is how to find faith in God it's by making a moral effort oh Jesus this wind oh fucking hell I really hate this country I really do by making a moral effort and finding the kingdom of heaven within, which is to say your conscience. 
and Christianity is 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 the human conscience's most natural path. But then life is difficult. We get scared. We get old. We get scared of death, and then we think this is our only life. So we start grasping. We think this is our only life. So we think this is our only chance. This is, you know, we've got to cram as much sex and food and drugs into this one life because that's it then. There is a God, you do have a soul, so you can relax, you can have some self-control, restraint, and you can live a morally good life, and you'll be much, much happier. And if you just live for sex and money and those type of things, you'll just be miserable. Which the whole world, is, well, not the whole world, but modern Western culture is proving. That if you're living for sex and things, sex and money, you're miserable. Look at that guy that hung himself or didn't hang himself. What was his name? Epstein. Sold his soul for sex. Had all the money in the world. Had an island. You know, that guy definitely didn't believe in God. Not in any real sense. He thought he had to get it all this life. Well, I don't know. Never mind. I don't know the guy, so. So yeah, we've... You, you, modern Christianity, which is the solution to all the world's problems. And it doesn't have to be Christianity, or just modern... Islam as well, which includes Christianity, or Judaism, which approves of Christianity, and out, Jesus Christ came out of Judaism. He was born out of it. As, as he said, he fulfilled the law. It was Moses' law that allowed Jesus to come into existence. And he fulfilled that law. He proved that Moses' law called, caused, created moral evolution. Because in Moses' time, in Moses' time, Jesus would have been killed day one. Jesus would have never made it to the temple. Jesus would have turned his cheek. And as soon as he turned his cheek, he would have been bullied and beaten from day one in Moses' day. But there are much, much more violent people back then. So he fulfilled the law. Moses' law had an effect of moralizing humans who, who tried to live by it because they believed in God. They had a misunderstanding about God. They thought God was vengeful and angry. But that was a human misunderstanding. A human misunderstanding that Jesus corrected. Because when he talked about God, he, he called God Abba, which is the only Aramaic word in the... It's the only Aramaic word in the uh, in the Gospels. The Gospels were written in ancient Greek. There's one Aramaic word which is Abba, which means Dad. Jesus didn't call God Lord, he called him Dad. God loved him. In a loving, caring way, like a father loves a child. And that was how Jesus developed the Jewish conception of God. I believe it's the it's the correct personally, but yeah, all the same. Being truly Christian, and yeah, I might do another podcast about Jesus. His, His teachings are so simple. Some quote by H.G. Wells, I think, which is that all of human knowledge, the best of human knowledge, or I can't remember exactly what it was, 
the truest of human knowledge or the best of human knowledge go on postage uh, postcard and that's really what's so amazing about Jesus' teachings is how succinct he was how little he said and yet how complete the solution is um, love and forgiveness I suppose that's the sum up in two words and then the idea that you can have some argument with your or, and another way of solving all of humanity's problems would just be the truth will set you free. Acknowledge that you're just as guilty as everyone else. You're just as bad as Trump. We're all just as bad as Trump. For example, because he's the, he's the scapegoat, scapegoat, I suppose. And it's all just as bad. Society is just totally materialistic. Obsessed with money, it's just too windy, isn't it? For fuck's sake. I don't know. This seems to have gone badly. What else did I write? Yeah, the story well the story is just amazing. Like there were a lot of, revo- you know, he was a revolutionary. There were a lot of revolutionaries at the time. Trying to take back power from the... Trying to take over the temple. Which was... The temple would be like the Jewish... The temple in, in Jerusalem was like the White House in America. And there were people... Lots of people were upset with, with the establishment. They felt uh, disenfranchised. They felt like they were being taken the piss of by these rich... The rich and the powerful... The rich and the powerful back then were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the rich and powerful uh, Jewish elders. And they were using the temple to get rich. They're kind of making a mockery of religion. They obviously wanted money more than they wanted to be good. Uh, and Jesus came, uh, and so plenty of, there were plenty of revolutionaries, but they always came with weapons. They always tried to take the temple by force with swords and things and an army and Jesus came along and took the temple just by intelligence no violence didn't allow any of his disciples to carry any weapon of any sort he came along and he just he knew the scriptures better than the Pharisees and the Sadducees and just like Socrates he made fools out of them they tried the Pharisees and the Sadducees tried to trap him with questions they tried to make him say something blasphemous so I can give you you know obviously this is a famous maybe the most famous story they're about to stone a prostitute and he said let let him without sin cast the first stone you know an acknowledgement that society is, is the fault of all of us you can't blame a prostitute for being a prostitute if if all, if all the men in society are, are, you know, paying for prostitutes, for example. And then the other example, uh, so the, you know, people were always amazed with his answers, as it says in the Bible. Like, for example, uh, they came along and said, so, oh, what do you think? Oh, so we shouldn't pay taxes to the Roman Empire? Because, uh, you know, hey, because, you know, Caesar... Was considered half divine. Um, 
So paying respects to him, paying tribute to him, to Caesar, would be, from an ancient Jewish perspective, would be worshipping a false idol. So they're trying to trap Jesus, expecting him to say, no, we shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. Because if Jesus said we shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, that was great for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because then they could just tell the, the Roman authorities, oh, this guy's trying to, this guy's got the whole crowd, because Jesus had huge crowds behind him. Everyone supported Jesus. For, there was a, before he was crucified, they all turned, the men all turned on him. But for a while, the common people, the poor and middle classes were all really behind him. And they're like, fuck, this, this is really the guy. This is the Messiah, the book, the Old Testament spoke about and, and prophesied. So if Jesus said, oh no, we, sh we shouldn't pay tax to Caesar, we should worship God only, then the, Jew then the Jews could just, the Jewish elders could just hand him over to the Romans and say, this guy is, is encouraging a, a revolution against the Roman Empire and he's suggesting that to people, to huge crowds, that they stop paying their taxes to Rome. And then Jesus came up with his brilliant and very famous answer, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Oh, first he said, oh, bring me a, what are they called? Shit, a denarii or something. The coin they had back then. Bring me a denarii, or denarius, or whatever it's called. And he said, whose picture is on this? And they're like, Caesar. He said, well, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and render unto God what is God's. Great answer. So he basically, he didn't blaspheme, and he didn't go against the Roman Empire. And it's just such a brilliant, there's so much meaning in, in what he said. He said, one, this, this money, yeah, it's got Caesar's face. It's got nothing to do with God. It all belongs to Caesar. And what he was implying actually was, give it all back to Caesar. Give every penny back to Caesar. And if you live in a truly Christian way, you won't need money at all. You won't need any of this money. The only reason you need money is because you don't trust each other. Think for yourself, if you, if you come from, if you're in a happy family, no money changes hands. Even if someone earns more than someone else in the family. You know, as you eat and, and drink together and live together, no money changes hands, because you all trust and love each other. The same, is absolute, the same is true for, or the same could be true for the whole of human society. Money has its value, and money gets its value. We all know now, now we have a fiat currency. Money isn't actually worth anything. You can't, you know, coins are useless. Paper money is useless. You can't do anything with it. I suppose you can burn paper money, but terribly inefficient and expensive fuel. It's worthless. The only way money has any value, like the, the value of human money comes out of purely human distrust for each other. Like ec economists try and work out how money has value. But they, but they're, they try and do things scientifically, which means they ha there's no moral or ethical or spiritual element to their work at all. So they can't work out how money really has its value, because its real value comes from human distrust, and you can prove this. Because again, you just imagine a world populated with people who were morally as good as Jesus and Buddha, and then money becomes, and they would all trust each other, like you trust your family members. And therefore, money would immediately lose all its value. They wouldn't want to hoard huge numbers of dollars. 
they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be... They wouldn't be impressed by a big bundle of, of $100 bills, you know? It'd be meaningless to them. They'd just be sharing and loving and caring and helping each other out when they needed to be helped out. So the only reason money exists at all is because of human just trust. Money's great. Because we haven't trusted each other. It's actually, it's also, it has... Money existing because of human distrust has actually facilitated humans to trust each other more and more and more. But as you can see, money is actually disappearing. Money used to be gold, used to be coins. Then it became a fiat currency. And then it's just faith in, in the in whichever government is giving you the is giving you the currency. And 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 then it's still coins and notes. But now it's evaporating further still, whereas sooner or later. It'll just be, you know, you'll walk in and your phone will automatically pay for things. You know, it is it is disappearing the more and more we trust each other. And we are growing. Like, this is the great... This is the great news. All the, Christianity is coming. We are. Over these 2,000 years, thanks to Jesus and his influence, we are becoming more and more Christian. And, as civ and you know, as civilization continues, and as we become more peaceful, and we are becoming more and more peaceful, and that's scientifically... That's scientific fact. You just got to read Steven Pinker's uh, empirical book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, which proves that there's just a downward uh, line that human violence is just a. I'm not sure how it's increasing, actually, or how it's decreasing. I'm not sure if it's a straight line graph or if it's an exponential decrease. I'm not sure. Um, I'd say a straight. Let's say it's just a straight line. Human violence and aggression is decreasing linearly. Well, it can only go to zero. Like, hum human violence and aggression and war, these are finite things. So, as they keep decreasing, which they are decreasing, and you, sh and you should read that book. It's a very important book. Proving that we're getting less and less violent. It will eventually go to zero. And then we'll trust each other. And as it goes, as it decreases, we trust each other more and more. As in society becomes safer and, you know, it happens at different rates around the world. First world, where it's the first world is safer, and we have more trust of each other there. And the more we trust each other, the more money becomes meaningless. Um, and yeah, the only reason money has any value is, is human. The value of money is equal to, and, and, and exactly equal to, human distrust of each other. So Jesus was trying to teach the Jewish people of the time um, to trust and love each other. And then they could give every penny back to... They could give all the money back to, to Caesar. They wouldn't need to use that money at all. Because they would work for each other and trust one another and know that they wouldn't go without if they hit the... if they were struck with hard times because they'd be taken care of by their family. He's trying to make the whole of society a family. Um, so render unto Caesar what, what, what is Caesar's. Give him all the money back. We don't need it. Render unto God what is God. Uh, what is God's, which is worship, and more important than worship, and more important than animal sacrifice. And animal sacrifice is how all the Jews were making money with the temple. Much more important than that. And Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments? He said, the two most important commandments are, the most important one is to love God with all your, with all your being. I can't remember the exact quote. But, you know, really love God properly. And the second one was to... Uh, 
love your neighbor as yourself or I should have written down these quotes yeah love your you love your neighbor treat others as you'd have them treat you that type of thing and then the, then the Jewish people wouldn't have needed the Roman currency at all if they actually achieved that but I mean Jesus was Jesus was a hell of an optimist he was hoping he was going to educate all these people into being Christians and avoid the fate avoid being murdered by the state like Socrates was that was probably his great hope that maybe he'll, maybe he'll cause a, resolution, a revolution and everything will be fine but you know but he's a realist as well and he, he predicted his death a lot so actually I guess he wasn't an optimist yeah because he did predict what was going to happen to him quite regularly based off what happened to Socrates because Socrates is very same. He came to the people. Yeah, he was a philosopher. He spent his whole life thinking. He came to the people. He took it took Socrates much longer. He didn't he didn't arrive in the forum till he was uh, quite an aged man. He wasn't killed till he was seventy five. But he started his own way of preaching. With obviously he believed in polytheism, so theologically there are differences. But he believed in virtue and he believed. His, his main moral teaching. He, he wasn't a moral teacher, really. He was much less of a moral teacher. He just believed that uh, any deviation from virtue, from being good, harmed a person. And that so if a person knew that and understood that, that any deviation from being virtuous caused them harm, they would immediately stop uh, being unvirtuous because no one wants to harm themselves. And that people just didn't understand this point of logic, and that's why they sinned. Which you can, you can from there you can get to Christianity pretty quickly. So they're very, very similar. I, in my mind, Socrates is like God, and then Jesus is the Son of God. In my mind, as philosophers, that's kind of that's symbolic. Um, speaking of which, the Son of God, because there's, you know, that's that's kind of a big sticking point. The Jews kind of. The Jews say, oh, this, this, he wasn't the Messiah. He was just a rabbi, just a teacher. He wasn't the son of God. I suppose I'll end the podcast now. Yeah. And the Muslims as well say he wasn't the son of God. And that's their, that's their big uh, point of disagreement with Christians. who say he was the son of God. And then, you know, that's enough for these religions not to realize they're all worshiping the same God. And they're all actually brothers under brothers and sisters worshiping the same God, which they are. That's undeniable facts. Jesus was a Jew, worshiping Yahweh. He called him Abba. He called Yahweh Abba. And then Muhammad mentions Jesus, Moses, Abraham, all in the Quran, worshiping the very same God. Just they spoke a different language, Arabic, so they used the word Allah instead of God. But it's all the same God. You're all you're all worshiping the same God. That's really it's really one religion. And to disagree about whether Jesus was the son of God, one it's irrelevant and Jesus would, himself would tell you it's irrelevant. Whether he was a human. And second of all, what does Jesus say? Well in the Gospels he calls himself the Son of Man, suggesting that he believed he was a human. He did when he was questioned, was he the king of the Jews? The king of the Jews. That's because he believed that he was fulfilling the prophecy of Elijah. 
So he did think he was looking the God, the Son of God isn't the same thing. But did Jesus think he was the Son of the God? Well, this, uh, this question is very, very easy, simply answered, and put beyond all doubt. Very simply. Like, did Jesus think he was the Son of God and you weren't the Son of God? Was there, was there some sort of divine distinction between you and him? No, he didn't believe that. He thought there was total moral and spiritual equivalence between you and himself. Because he left us a prayer called the Our Father. Which you probably know, it's a very famous prayer. Left you a prayer called the Our Father. And the first words are, Our Father. So what Jesus believed very, very clearly and very undeniably is that he was the Son of God and that you're the Son of God or the Daughter of God or whatever you happen to be. You are the... the ch- that's a good word. You are a child of God. He believed about that... He believed that about all of us. He believed in total moral equivalence and spiritual equivalence between us all. And then his prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, let's just, dear God universe all around us, the universe at large around us, heaven. So the universe around us is God. Hallowed be thy name. So you're such a special being from our perspective. You're so beyond our comprehension. You're so much bigger than us. Your intelligence is so much greater than ours. That we can really only we, we just have a word we just have a word to point at you that represents our very unsatisfactory ideas of what you are and what and you're so special that, even, that whatever word we use, and it's just a noise, whatever we wor- you're so special that whatever word we use to point at you, even that word is special. So, hallowed be thy name. This means your name is special. Language is very... I'll, I'll have to give another podcast about language and God. It's very important. Logos and all that type of thing. Anyway, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That just means if we start aligning ourselves with you, with God, then heaven, earth will become heaven. And that's pretty obvious. If we all started treating each other like all of us started treating all everyone else like Jesus told us to, this place would very quick. The earth, would, in a matter of in a matter of a very small number of years, the earth would change so much that compare it to now, it would look like heaven. And that's the thing with human evolution. If you took a caveman 10,000 years ago and brought him here, he'd be like, wow, this is heaven. And that's the point of moral evolution. We're always... Heaven isn't a static place, because then we get bored. But the way to create heaven now, the way to move towards heaven now is to align ourselves with God via the teachings of Jesus Christ or whoever you want you know Buddha as well Muhammad um, our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name it will be done on earth so if we align ourselves with God we'll create heaven on earth give us this day our daily bread that line is irrelevant now give us this day our daily bread that just means hey we need to eat famine's a big problem keep the sun shining keep the crops growing so that we have enough bread to eat. Now, things have changed dramatically since then. Now, now we have way, 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 way too much bread to eat. 
Now we're killing ourselves with bread. So we can change that line now to we're killing ourselves with food. So Jesus, please God, help us share with people that don't have any food. Let us stop being such greedy, greedy pigs. That line's changed a lot. Because now, 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 in Jesus' time, there wasn't enough food to go around. But that changes society so dramatically. Now there's more than enough to go around. Now we're eating ourselves to death. So that line needs modification. For most of us. In the first world, at least. Now we have so much more than enough. And we just keep on eating. And keep on consuming. By, you know, it's not just eating. It's also consuming these goddamn clothes and watches and all this shit should be helping the poor. Then we'd be much happier. Uh, give us a stare, Daniel Red. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let's just forgive us. Forgive forgive people. Like, unless you're without sin, then you need to be forgiven. If you refuse to give the people around you, forgive the people around you, then what, how do you expect to be forgiven yourself? Uh, forgiveness, yeah, that's really... Forgiveness of yourself and forgiveness of others. That's really the key. Aaron Abkay talks very nicely about forgiveness. He talks really well about it. Very uh, logically and conclusively and emphatically about forgiveness. It's great. Forgiveness uh, Lead us not into temptation. How do you... Uh, uh, prayer is one way to keep yourself out of the way of temptation. If your thoughts are always about sex and things like that, sexual sin, then you're much li- much more liable to to sin sexually. For example. And I'm not talking about being, I'm not talking about celibacy. You know. Wait until marriage. or any, I, I didn't wait till marriage. I'm just talking, uh, what I mean to say is dreaming all day about underage people then if you're ever faced with that opportunity, you're much, much more likely to take it. So use prayer, control your thoughts, and keep your mind away from those type of things. And then if you're ever in that situation, you're much much less likely to sell your soul. Because really, if you think about it, what do people sell their souls for? Nine times out of ten, it's sex. Like, that's really kind of... That's our main temptation, really, as humans. Forgive those trespasses, because these temptation delivers from evil. Amen. So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. That's called the Lord's Prayer. That's, that's the prayer that Jesus himself wrote. It's brilliant. It's so succinct. And it's worth dwelling on. And saying, improve your life. Uh, but yeah, he said our father. So he thought we were all just children of God, very obviously. So, yeah, that was really rambling. I hope there's some sense to it. I hope you can hear me. It's so windy. My hand is numb. I hope it's all recorded. I swear to God. Please let these all have recorded properly. If I have to do this all again. Christ. Next podcast, The Odyssey, God Experiment. And then finally, at last, my physics for Finn. Goodbye.